Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I have somebody here today that I have been wanting to talk with for quite a while. I have stalked his business for years, and I hope to one day be a client. Um, With me today is Brendan Sherwood, who is the founder of Element Studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. Brendan, thank you for joining. I so appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for asking. Yes, yes. I have. Uh, we're going to get to your 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 business a little more later on, but I have admired so much of what I've seen on Facebook and Instagram, and somehow I'm I'm determined to bring pieces of jewelry that I've had over the years and just have you redesign something for me. So I have that on my bucket list to do. Awesome. That's a big part <laughs> of what I do all the time. I know. I know. We're going to talk about your your philosophy and everything. So, But we're going to go back a little bit in the 70s and 80s because that's the fun part of like reminiscing where we were when we all grew up and things like that. And you know, I was thinking, I was just talking to somebody the other day. This would have been my elementary school. You went to what was elementary and middle for you? West Maple? And Franklin. Okay. Did you do any fundraisers or anything? We were talking about going door to door with these little booklets of like cards and wrapping paper that we had to go and, and sell to our neighbors, which you could never go door to door today. But did you have to do that? I don't think we ever did anything like that with wrapping paper or anything. But, you know, there was like, I don't know, candy sales, that kind of stuff. And then in yeah. um, West Maple, we did a, a mass production project, which is really cool. We we actually did a test market on products, and then we had to go out in our neighborhoods and sell them. And then we actually had to manufacture the products, which is really quite cool. And that was kind of fun. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like Shark Tank before Shark Tank. It was kind of like that. And it was it was actually a really cool springboard because um, I, I was surprised by what I got picked to do in that process. So. It was really kind of fun. What did we you make? A, a teacher. Uh, we made it a little corner um, Christmas decoration with a Christmas tree in it and some mirrors and fake snow and a little like train scale, you know, Christmas tree. And we were able to sell them. We did actually pretty well with it, but it was quite fun, you know. So that's wild. I love that. Yeah. yeah the, the shop teacher, Ron Coletta, was a great, great fun guy and a big Elvis fan. And it was, we always thought that was funny when we were kids, but I learned to appreciate it as I got older. So, oh my gosh, that's very cool. And then I was also thinking about like, I was obsessed with, you know, I had a favorite cereal. And what was so dumb about it is I would leave that box on the counter while I was eating my cereal and read the back as if it was new information every single time. Like you just plopped it on your kitchen table. Did you do that same thing where it was like, I don't know why I thought the content was going to be any different, but 
I would stare at the cereal box all the time while I was eating. Absolutely. You know, I mean, hey, and you never so know. There silly. Was, the best one was <laughs> is you got the new box of cereal and there was a surprise inside. So you took a bowl out of the, the cupboard, you poured all the cereal in it to get the prize out. So, right. Took all totally. of the, and, the mystery out of it. And you had to fight with, you know, you had to time it because I, I had other brothers and sisters, so I'm sure you did too, you know, so you had to fight with who's going to get the prize in that box. Yeah, mine were all older, so it didn't matter. Crazy. Did you have any cartoons that you were in favor of? I was iffy on cartoons. You know, I was I was a fan of cartoons. Hanna-Barbera was probably my favorite, you know, but I always got a kick out of Sunday mornings because there was really, it was either, you know, like, some old movie or Abbott and Costello because they wouldn't play cartoons on Sunday when we were kids, right? Right. Yeah. No. So and now it's 24-7. And, and just the whole, we both have kids, and so I talk about this a lot too, the whole mystery and like special event of having The Wizard of Oz on or a particular show like that, it was everyone was watching it at that same time at their house at 8 o'clock or whatever, it wasn't just a video you could put in. It was a really big deal when that stuff came out and everybody knew you were going to go home and watch that particular show. Yep. You mentioned Wizard of Oz. That was the first one that I actually remember as like an event. My brothers and sisters were all older. So it was like, I was like, what is this? What's going on? And it, But it was like, <laughs> everybody got together to do that. The popcorn was made and, and that's yes. what the family did, you know? And I, I think there that's... That's something that's missed, you know? Yeah. You can have anything you want any time of day. And it's like that anticipation and that buildup is really just mm -hmm. something that I think is important. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And then I thought about cursive, which just went away at the wayside. I don't know how I feel about it, whether it's necessary or not, but I think it's weird that it just kind of was discontinued. Did your kids have to do cursive in school or were they part of the when it went away they were part of when it went away so who's going to read all those old letters uh, god let's hope they can read them well i still don't even know what the reasoning behind that was is it just because everything is keyboard driven and so you don't need the art of writing i guess i don't know i have no idea no idea i kind of liked it i mean i thought it made everything look sophisticated like growing up i felt like a growing up when i learned cursive yep no, it, it's definitely had its place. And, it, you know, the, the, the quality of writing and the, the like I see older clients who write out things and it's so beautiful and it's so eloquent, you know, it's like, yeah, even I know. we didn't have that, but, you know. Yeah. So growing up in Franklin, did you go down to, um, I'm sure it was that little corner store. I mean, it's that store has been there for a long time, but did you go there for candy or what did you do for, you know, what did you, where'd you go in the neighborhood to go have fun? That was like, you know, Mayberry back then because we had everything. We had the hardware store, we had the gas station, the fire hall, the bank, the corner store, we, even the cider mill. I mean, you couldn't get any richer than that. It was just right. something else, you know, looking back on it now, it's it's pretty amazing. And the interesting part is I ended up living back there again and raised my kids from 2007 till they graduated from high school back in Franklin. And it really wasn't the same. It wasn't, you know, you didn't have no. that sense of community that you did before and all that. But it was it was a pretty special place, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
I just was there for my nephew's wedding and went to the Franklin Cider Mill. And it's just, you can immediately remember the first time that you went and everyone had those blankets up on the hill and, you know, people rode their horses down to the cider mill. A lot of people still had horses in their backyard at the time. I don't know if they do now, but I mean, that was so cool. Yeah, it was it was a bit of history happening in our time, you know, that yeah. dates way, way back. Is there ever a story, though, that you've shared with your kids where they're like, you've got to be kidding me. That's what it was like, you know, like, oh, I'm sure map, I bored them to tears with many things over the years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and surprisingly, they still talk to me and want to spend time with me. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. So. You have three, correct? Or? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Three, two girls awesome. and a boy. So Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk about uh, the divorce for a second. Just we'll go back to Groves, but where the, what, what were their ages and, and how, how did they handle that? Because that, it's a lot more common for our kids, but it wasn't so much when we were growing up. So I yeah. can't imagine they felt too different because it's it happens. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, they were pretty young. They were pretty young. They were all in oh, uh, were. grade school. Yeah. So. Okay. Was, uh, okay. So, you know, the youngest. So they were was used in, to the, the shuffle back then, early on. Yeah, there wasn't a shuffle in my situation. So, just not to get into too many oh, details, good. but they were with me. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so nice. Okay. I had them from 2007 and on. Very cool, Brendan. That's great. Okay, so we went to Groves. Now we're going to move to high school where obviously I met you there. And one of the things that I always admired early on was that you were in this class. And I remember you and also Tim McInerney having this passion for jewelry making and to think that you made a career out of it. I don't know why that just blows my mind. Like, so we talked about Mr. Landis, right? The, the, the Landino. teacher. Oh, Landino. Landino. Sorry, yep. I just looked him up Fair. and I screwed it up. But was that a catalyst? Can you walk me through like wanting to be in that class and then how it changed what you ended up doing for a career? Because I find that incredible. It's kind of a long story and it goes way back to being very, very young and being dragged into that classroom with my oldest sister. Oh. Into George Landino's class when I was like probably like seven. And I was kind of saw some of the things going on and I always enjoyed the arts. I was always encouraged to stay in the arts, but I never had any real success personally that I felt was successful till I went mm -hmm. into his classroom and I kind of introduced myself to say, Hey, you know, I'm Bridget Sherwood's brother. And basically he was the kind of guy that, you know, if you did the basics, he would, you know, he, he could pass his class. But if you showed initiative, he'd keep feeding you information and keep showing okay. you more and more things. And so he was really a mentor, not just a, not just your basic teacher. He he was available all the time, gave me all kinds of information, and I, I finally had success with the ideas I had in my head. I could I could, you know, take them to fruition and it was quite wonderful for me because I could now, you know, see the results of my thoughts. Right. You know. So it was right. pretty great. You might not even recall this, but like I do remember there were moments when I could see what silver uh, ring you were making or whatever. Like it was like it was cool that I, I think I just remember you wearing some of the things that you made. And so from an outsider, like I still remember that of you doing that kind of cool thing. So <laughs> you might not have known we were all watching, but we were. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, probably wasn't really that cool, but, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I was a cheerleader, so it was cool because you were doing something a little more high level. So did Bridget ever stay with it as, as well or, or she just took his class? No, she um, she got involved in fashion and different things like that, you know, when okay. it knitting so and, it's... you know, fiber design and stuff like that. So, but never really wow. to the extent that I did. So have you, um, do you know what happened to him or, or anything? Is he still, I'm sure he's retired George, or do we know if he's still, George is retired. I have not heard from him in years, but, um, and I, you know, so I don't know all the history. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look him, him up. Cause we want to get some of the teachers to, he's um, a pretty fabulous guy. He, um, yeah. he had, he's got a long laundry list of incredible people who went through his classroom. So very cool. Anybody else that I would remember that that's, doing what you're doing now as an entrepreneur? Not, well, I mean, Tim's still doing jewelry. And, yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's some younger guys, uh, Kirk Eilertsen and Matthew Darling. They're both doing jewelry oh, work. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So you also were part of a co-op program. I don't know if you remember that, but it shows you as being part of a co-op program where you did some part-time work like there was a class that you, you anybody that was involved in co-op got to leave and go work somewhere as part of the course. Does that ring a bell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and we ran the the school store as well. That okay. was part of our that was part of our curriculum. Okay. And so, so how did you get involved in that? I think it said you needed like a counselor's notice to be a part of that class. Yep. You had to have a counselor's approval and um so basically like my senior year was independent study which I wrote my own program and did work in the jewelry room. And then I did the co-op program and I went to work at a jewelry shop in the afternoon. So that was about it. Okay. What was the jewelry store? Do you remember? Yeah, it was called Diamond Dave's. It was in Lake Orion and it was, oh. is now it's um, Canterbury Village. If okay. you know where that is out on Joslin Road. Uh, it's like a, yeah. So the, the carriage house at Canterbury Village was a jewelry store that I worked with Diamond Dave and his cousin who hired me, who is actually still my best friend today. And uh, yeah, used to used to go there and work, work every afternoon. And it was kind of fun, you know, had a great time. Yeah, that's kind of a long drive, too, at that time. Yeah, at 55 miles an hour, it was. <laughs> so, remember that? <laughs> what was your car that you had in high school? I had a Jeep, so. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that it was, was funny. Cool back I, then. Yeah, it was. A couple other Groves alumni worked for me over, over the past, you know, Brenda Ronzi and uh, Sasha Goldner worked for me at times. And Sasha brought in a picture one day of like, you know, this motorcycle. And I'm like, hey, that's my Jeep sitting next to that motorcycle in the parking lot. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, small world. Stuff, I did, right. Very. Yeah. Very cool that you because I was going to ask if you had anybody that did work with you and or I want to talk about some of your clients, but just to build a story. So you were always involved in that from, you know, at least like mentorship and, and internships. And then you went to the College of Creative Studies. So is that a four year program, a two year program? What what was that? It was a four year. It was a four year program. So I okay. got a bachelor's of fine arts. So. Okay. And did you continue to apprentice anywhere during that time? Yeah, I did. I apprenticed for a guy in um, Farmington. So I worked for him for five years before I opened my business. And I opened up Elements a year after I got out of college. So. Wow. So that's what I wanted to kind of, it's incredible you did that, number one. And how did you decide to take that leap of just being an independent owner and come up with the name and, and all of that? I would think that would be very scary. We're talking what, 80s, early 90s you were doing this, early 90s? 
Yeah, I opened up Elements in May of '89, and um, okay, I I had somebody who, you know I was I called them asking for advice, and they offered um, basically their financial support. So I was kind of taken back, and I took the initiative. And as I like to say, I was foolish enough to do it at the time, you know, because it had been a few years later. I probably would have been like, I don't know, and but you yeah, know, I, when you're that young and you know you're driven, you think they're going to set the world on fire, right? So you, right. you just go for it and you do it. And, right. and I'm grateful that I did. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I can't tell you I've stumbled along the way and that's all part of the, the game. And, but I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for where I'm at. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but I need to say attention all alumni. Are you ready to relive the glory days and reunite with your classmates? Look no further than myevent.com the ultimate destination for planning unforgettable class reunions. With myevent.com, you're in control. Upload photos, upload event details, and connect with your classmates. Spread the word on social media and watch the excitement grow. Myevent.com brings your past, present, and future together in one unforgettable event. Start planning your class reunion now. Myevent.com, your reunion, your way. All right, let's get back to the show. So for just for the break in, in how we are going to regroup on the podcast, Brendan just had a client come in and well, we won't for, for their benefit, we'll take that piece out. But it was an amazing interaction to listen to and so personal and to see or hear, you know, both the fiance and the, the bride to be be excited. It's like, he is really, really creating a, a lifetime of memories. And what just experienced, which has happened and what I listened to is your whole philosophy. So I love that you have these epic principles, which is exactly what just happened, which you have is engagement, passion, integrity, and collaboration. And I just witnessed it. I mean, that's exactly what I just witnessed. Yeah. So d how did you come up with that uh, type of principle to run your business, Epic? I, you know, I'd like to say that I did come up with it, but it actually happened very <laughs> organically. <laughs> and uh -huh. um, it, it's it's really just a friend of mine put it in perspective in, in the Epic principle. It's like, but it really was just an evolution of things. And thinking about how you interact with people and what you would want in that situation when you're making like this gentleman just was making the most important decision of his life. Right. Right. So right. wouldn't you want to feel at ease with that? And why yeah. would you want to feel pressured or be sold right. something or anything? So that's the way I look at it. It's like, you know, I'm here to just answer questions and help you out in this situation which is how when I go out in the world, I would like to feel in every transaction I have, right? Yeah, oh, <laughs> you know, definitely. But it's like even in anything, buying a piece of fruit, right? <laughs> Help right. me out with this, right? Right. Keep it simple. Right. Yeah. Don't don't sell me. Let me share what my vision of why why I want what I want and and help me guide me that way. The other thing I I asked about you even in the phone call, and I do want to talk about that too because it it goes into also background with your family and your dad with retail. Cause I do know friends that, you know, have retail shops and we have Denise court who, you know, has kind right. of children's store. Who's a neighbor, which is great. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Nice. She's awesome. Yeah. And you can share that, you know, what's, 
that what's it like to, you know, employ people and have that entrepreneurial spirit. It's, it's a lot different. And the pressure is, is amazing. And there's ebbs and flows to our economy all the time. And you've had to weather some crazy times, whether it's 08 or, you know, COVID, et cetera. And you are in a situation that um, not many retailers can do, which is you own your building. And so that whole rent and, you know, having to deal with, with being handcuffed to that in a landlord determines sometimes how long somebody can stay in business. And so you chose the path again, maybe being young and, and naive and thinking you set the world on fire, you built the building you're in. That was incredibly smart. Yep. I always knew I wanted to own the real estate and I knew that that would be a good path. And I was very fortunate to find a situation that would work. And my father being an architect um, was able to help guide me through the process. And we became partners in this piece of real estate here. And uh, it, it worked out really, really well. I, I like to say I sold my soul. But um, I created a piece of real estate where, you know, I, I, I sold my first house and uh, lived on a friend's couch for a year. And I have a building that has two commercial spaces and two apartments in it. And it's a great little downtown area, you know, great little space. And it's nice because, you know, everybody in the building here is, you know, we, we all like each other. We all get along. And, you know, it's it's just a it's a fun little spot. So I got a hair salon next to me and two tenants upstairs. And it's works well. So that's fantastic. I mean, such, such a smart thing. And you were also the first, you said to new development within Royal Oak. I don't know officially. Yes. But I was one of the first new builds in downtown Royal Oak back in 1994. So jumping through the hoops, then hopefully we're a little less arduous than they, they are now. Cause Royal Oak is just, it's so crammed with new parking structures and businesses and everything. I would imagine you got through some of the, the hoops you needed to a little bit easier back then. I don't know, but. Actually, it was really not easy at all because I had all the zoning and I had everything in place that I needed, but Royal Oak did not want residential in downtown, believe it or not. They only wanted commercial. They thought they were going to be office space king and um, it was a painful process. Oh. So it's, it's really kind of funny to see what Royal Oak is today based on what they thought it would be back in 1993 when we started this project. Yeah, so. amazing. So the, the importance of what your dad brought to the table, I just want to share because I was learning as you were with the customer. We talked about downtown Franklin. So everybody that's listening that's at least from our area knows the beauty and quaintness of, of Franklin. And there is a wonderful gazebo that sits right in the park down there. And your father built that. Yes, he did. He designed it. He didn't physically build it. But he, designed he designed it. it. Yes. Yes. So yes. He did a and lot other with things within Franklin. Yeah. Franklin and Birmingham, you said both. Franklin, Birmingham, Bloomfield. He he was in the area for over 50 years. So Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That's a great, great partnership. I mean, there is a lot of art in within your family, some places, you know, whether it is fashion or architecture and design or jewelry making. I mean, anybody else in your family also have some unique talent? We are not that kind of family. So I'm just, in, I'm interested when like somebody has that chip that I do not carry on the left side of the brain. It's amazing. Yeah, no, my mother was also a decorator. So I grew up with that. And, you know, grandfather was a tool and die designer. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the family and a lot of entrepreneurs in my family. So in yeah. some respects, it just always seemed like a natural to be doing my own thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you designed for anybody from our, from our school? 
I've had the pleasure of working for a lot of alumni. So it's, oh, it's been nice. a lot of fun. So yeah, their parents, cool. their friends and uh, their children as well. So, and that's probably the most flattering, you know, because they don't, yeah. they don't have to make that choice. And they, the fact that they come to me and um, I, my kids went to Groves as well. So, and their friends are now coming to me. And so it's, it's really just, I, I can't say enough and how much it, it, I appreciate that. And it just feels good, you know? Yeah. It's a highest so, form of a compliment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so is, is it really, uh, if you had to divide your business, is it, is it mostly engagement rings or is it uh, like someone like myself that wants to just take some old jewelry and have you kind of look at it and redesign something personal or. I think there's, there, it's probably like, a good 40 to 50% of engagement. And then the rest of it is, mm -hmm. you know, probably 30, 40% of remounts redesigns. And then the rest of it is, is just, you know, selling what's in the showroom because everything in the store I make. So we don't okay. do any merchandising. So it's all just, it's custom through and through. So, and, and how did you like build those relationships of vendors? So people that you knew you wanted to do, you know, buy their diamonds from, or the certain kinds of gems, like how did you, just being so young that you were forge all of these really important relationships and trust who you were working with to design your rings. I was really fortunate that the people I worked for allowed me access to the people who they did business with. And okay. I was, so when I opened up my shop, they were available to me. So, and it just grew from there. Okay. And the, the I didn't people, know if like people gatekeep, you know, other competitors gatekeep that info or thankfully not in not the people I worked with, you know, they were more okay. like myself. So, yeah, I, I love it. And I can't wait to be a customer, quite frankly. <laughs> I appreciate that. This is something that you do love. And how do you slowly decide to get out of it? What is your thought process behind that? How long do you want to be doing this? Because I mean, listening to tonight and having the privilege to, you know, hear that whole I don't know that I could not do it. Like it's gotta be, I know it's a short high when they come and pick it up, but like, it's gotta keep you going to want to do another ring. When do you decide I, I enough is enough? I don't really see, feel like that is going to be a thing that I think it, it'll condense, like make more appointments and do a more consolidated situation. But like my okay. dad did three to four day splits, you know, for, you know, years and years and years. And, I don't see why I can't do the same thing, you know, and it's what's really cool right. now is we've, I have embraced the technology. We do CAD design, we do 3D printing, as well as all the traditional manufacturing of jewelry. So I can go and visit up north and work on the laptop and design things there and send emails to clients. And, you know, we can do a Zoom call or something like that. So I, I don't really feel limited by that. And I don't really feel like I'm going to have to, you know, retire at a certain point. I'll, I'll work as right. long as I can, as long as I enjoy it, you know? That's awesome. So. And and you talked about going up north because you do have a place around Traverse City. We don't have to say exactly where it is, but you're up there and, you know, there's nothing better than that. So what I do love about Gen X is, you know, we've had to really shift to a lot of different technology, even trying to get this you know, recorded today and you still were able to embrace it and, and use it to your advantage in your business. That's what I think is so great about us. I mean, we didn't have any of this stuff growing up and yet we, we are still capable of learning all this new technology to help automate part of the business. And I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, I find it. I, I I always use the analogy of remember setting the digital clock for your parents. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. So, there are moments when my children's my children do things for me. So you know, it's just it's, oh, it's, it's a progression. But you know, it's, it is. But I agree. You know, we've we've seen major changes. Yeah. Yeah, and and. You know, we went from, you know, records to CDs to 8-track to 45s to there was something else in between 45. It was another weird size. I can't remember. But like, you know, we had all different kinds of of ways to listen to music and never batted an eye. We just adapted. Right. Now everybody's back to listening to vinyl. I know. I was in a restaurant and they were playing vinyl music and I was like, I have got to go back. I... I do. I have to. I have to go back and buy a turntable. It was like just great. It was a Godfather album. Nice. It was epic. It was. It was really great. Yes. I and still how many have all my old vinyl? Do you really? Yeah. Oh, we got rid yeah. of all of ours, thinking it wasn't a big deal, and think Sam's Jams bought them or something, you know? And right. Oh, I wish we. There's had an old name. Again, Sam's Jams. Yeah. Because right. going back to reading the cereal boxes, you read the, you took the album and you were, I was always looking at the back. I was always looking at the inserts. Nothing was going to be any new, but it was like, I would read the words that way. And I was obsessed with who wrote the song and, and all of that. It was like the album cover was part of the whole religious experience, you know? Yep. Agreed. How many people do you employ in your store? Uh, I have three people. I have one full-time, two part-time people, and um, I have an apprentice as well. So, you know, I've always kind of enjoyed having people come in and who show some initiative and want to learn, and I'm always happy to right. teach them things, you know, so. To pay forward that philosophy that, you know, you had, you know, um, that you yep. were granted. Well, I will let you go have a beer. It's so well-deserved. And um, <laughs> I thank you for letting me be along in that journey. I like that that customer came in. I mean, the whole family was there. I don't know how much we're going to keep in and, and edit for their own privacy, but how incredible to hear his whole family come in and be excited for the ring and how proud he was of how it turned out. Like, that's just, that's what you do in a nutshell. And it was so cool to be a part of it. So it was kind of serendipity that they showed up while we were doing the podcast. It was nice. Yeah, thank you. It was nice. I, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. Thank you. Well, we're going to keep in touch because, like I said, it's on my bucket list. So I'll, I'll have to figure out what I have to show you and what I want to you know, have redesigned. But I definitely, I think it would be a, a cool thing to do before the reunion so I can wear something from your store that you've made me. That would be awesome. <laughs> How awesome would that be? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. So. Yes. Well, Brendan, thank you so much. And I loved catching up with you. Like I said, I've been watching the website and everything you've published for a really long time. So kudos to you. You've had a great, great success uh, with your jewelry making, which goes all the way back to our high school. And I think that's incredibly cool that you found uh, your calling. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, too. All right, friends. That's it for this episode of Class Reunion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, write us a review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.